batten down the hatches, ready your spears, because the Union Smack podcast is coming at you and our tusks are sharpened. I am, of course, the Maniac Matt Tennant, flying solo this week to bring you all the best and, let's be honest, some of the worst from March's NXT UK. Now, Travis could not be with us this time around, but fear not, he will be back in the saddle for our NXT special. We need to talk about NXT because we really, really do after what I saw on Saturday at Stand and Deliver. And, of course, our WrestleMania 17 review to close out WrestleMania week. It's been a busy week. A busy week full of just wrestling. It's like, I don't know whether I can watch another wrestling match for about a month. It's just, it's battered me. It's bruised me. It's destroyed my soul in some cases. But WrestleMania was fantastic, at least as far as I'm concerned. So it wasn't all bad. Now, before we get down to the nitty gritty, there is, of course, business to attend to. So you can find me, as usual, on Twitter at Bruisermate. Follow the podcast at Union Smack and follow Travis at Huss Hogan. UnionSmack.podbean.com, where you can find links to all the other podcasting platforms. Anchor.fm forward slash Union Smack, where you'll find the link to Pocket Casts, if you listen to us on Pocket Casts. I know some people do. UnionSmack.BigCartel.com, where you can pick up all your official Hibiki TMD merchandise. ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash UnionSmack or ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash Rocky Buyer, where you can pick up the official Union Smack t-shirt. And, of course, Lulu.com, where you can purchase a copy of my books, The Undertaker, A Trip Down Death Valley, and NXT UK Year One. And if you missed any or all of that, I have to gabble it, otherwise it'll take us 20 minutes to get through it, then all the links are available at the very top of our Podbean page. So, now that is all done and dusted, kippers and custard. I love that saying, I'm not sure why. We can delve into NXT UK from March 2022. Now, unusually, because March had... 31 days and because the first episode began on march the 3rd we have five episodes worth of goodness and some questionable stuff to get through so i hope you got your sandwiches i hope you got your cups of tea because we're in this for the long haul you think i'm joking as well i have got six pages six and a half pages of notes to get through so I hope you're all ready. I hope you're not all burnt out from WrestleMania weekend. We are going to begin, of course, with March the 3rd and straight into the action. Mark Coffey versus Shah Samuels. And, of course, this has come from the Coffey's challenging Noam Dar and all that rubbish that you heard about in the February NXT UK review that me and Travis went through at the beginning of last month it wasn't good all the stuff on the supernova sessions just all the the messing about it really hurt this and it's really hurt the feud in my opinion but they do a good job of getting it back so mark coffee brother of joe who will challenge noam dar later on in this review against shah samuels lackey second right hand second hand man i was going to say it's all that del boy gimmick he does Right-hand man to Noam Dar, 
First thing I have to say is Shah Samuels is better than a bit part role in someone else's feud. We've been singing his praises since well, since he came into NXT UK and since we you know came back to this podcast in 2021. I love Shah Samuels. I've loved his work on the Indies. I've loved his work in ICW. And I believe that along with men like Wild Boar, he's the future of this brand. And if they really want to, you know, get serious and stop having to bring over people from America to, you know, to really spotlight NXT UK, more on that at the end of the show, then they need to take people like Shah Samuels and Wild Boar more seriously because, you know, you've got world champions, you've got Heritage Cup champions in, in your undercard, but you have to build them properly. And I don't think this is building Shah Samuels properly, unfortunately. However, this match is watchable. It's not excellent. It's good. It's watchable. It begins with a Mark Coffey arm drag, which Shah Samuels turns into a nice headlock. Coffey works the wrist, then a a lifted backdrop. And you like, if I'm stumbling today, one, I've got a headache. Two, my writing seems to have just turned to shit lately. And three, it's going to be a long old podcast for us today. So my voice is going <laughs> to be shot to shit by the end. Anyway, where were we? Mark Coffey works the wrist, then hits a lifting backdrop. Samuels, great at selling. That's just one of the many things I love about Shah Samuels is his selling. He hits an uppercut to the leg, which is novel. I don't think I've seen that before. So he goes to work on the leg. It's just an uppercut to the back of the calf, which is effective. Uh, but sadly, he doesn't keep on the leg, which he should do. And Mark Coffey doesn't sell the leg much to my memory. <laughs> memory, he says, forgetting the fucking word. Samuels hits a lariat. Kick to the back and then a lovely rebound Michinoku driver for a knee up fall. Just goes to show you, if you take the shackles off men like Shah Samuels and Mark Coffey, as we'll see more than once during this review, then they will come up with something special. Like, next stars are right here. I can't hammer it home enough. That's what I said to her. The problem here is momentum. It builds nicely, but then it's cut off by an armbar. You don't need a rest hold in the middle of this. The match is short enough anyway. I think it was like 7, seven minutes, 38 seconds, something along those lines. So you, you don't need the rest holds. You're building the momentum. No need to cut it off. Samuels misses a flying elbow. Coffee uses the injured arm out of desperation. Hits a bulldog. And a standing kick for a near fall. Samuels reverses a dragon suplex, which is really nice, into a throw. Hits the exploder. And then a double clothesline takes them both out. And they start verbally abusing each other. This was my favourite spot of the entire match. They're on all fours. They're just recovering. And they just start shouting and screaming at each other. It's very good. Mark Coffey. Hits a sliding uppercut off the ropes for the win. I've not seen him use that in NXT UK yet to get the win. So it was nice to see him do something different. Good match. Could have done with more explanation, really, as to uh, what um, and why it was all happening. If you didn't tune into the February NXT UK review here, or you're not an NXT UK regular, 
then the little commentary did to explain the match just wasn't enough, sadly. So we go to the Performance Centre earlier in the week, and good old Charlie Dempsey approaches a kid who is in the ring, and he's he's just trying out moves and and, and stuff. Uh, A kid refuses to show Charlie Dempsey what he's working on, as per Charlie Dempsey's request. And it's a weird one, this. Because you get baby face vibes from Charlie Dempsey. You know, he wants a kid to show him what he's working on. He says he's not like how he is with De Familia. And then, just out of the blue, Tierman and Rohan Raja attack. Charlie Dempsey does try to stop them for a fleeting second. But then thinks, well, if he can't beat them, join them. And does join in in beating down a kid. That does set up Dempsey versus a kid which is coming up later in the review, and it is a cracker. We are now shown a recap of how Trent Seven cheated to retain the NXT UK Tag Team Championships the week before, and Mustache Mountain are celebrating backstage after that episode, but are confronted by Ashton Smith and Oliver Carter. And I've got the names right. I usually call him Oliver Oliver Smith and Ashton Carter, but uh, I'm on fire today. Trent Seven says he has to do whatever it takes to keep the championships. And then Tyler Bates starts to look confused because obviously he's not, you know, he hasn't had a chance to review the footage yet. He's not seen what Trent Seven's done. And if you don't remember what Trent Seven's done, then in a quick recap, Bates hit the bop and bang on Ashton Smith. Smith got his foot on the rope behind the referee's back. And just as the referee was coming down for three, Trent Seven pushed Ashton Smith's foot off the rope heelishly, some may say, which gave uh, Mustache Mountain the win and the retention of the Tag Team Championships. Smith and Carter want one more chance, and Tyler Bate accepts, which Trent Seven doesn't look happy about. And we we will go into this more later on, but this Trent Seven heel turn, it, it is now beginning to branch out into a possible Mustache Mountain heel turn, and... Tyler Bate doesn't quite know where he sits with it all. It, it's becoming very good and the most intriguing thing across all of WWE's four brands, with the exception, I think, of Roman Reigns, because Roman Reigns is just on a, you know another level to everyone. Now, next up, Dave Mastiff and Jack Stars versus Pretty Deadly. Now, last month, we left Dave Mastiff and Jack Stars rowing over... Dave Mastiff's vest. Jack Stars wanted his vest. He wanted his own vest. And Dave Mastiff says he had to earn it. It's a vest, for fuck's sake. He gets it here. Um, on the entrance, Dave Mastiff presents Jack Stars with his own vest. But it's plain. It has no markings on, but this is dear to Jack Stars. You know, you'd, the way he treats his vest, you'd think it's his grandmother or his grandfather in an urn. He loves it that much. Pretty deadly. Oh, where did it go so wrong? One of the greatest NXT UK Tag Team Champions of all time. Oh, yeah, granted, the field is small, but they are among the greatest of that field. And they feel and have felt frighteningly... I can't even say it. They felt normal, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, you know, they were the best thing in NXT UK for over a year. And now they just feel plain. It feels like there's no direction. And this has to end. The feeling around them has to end fast. 
Because if it doesn't, then you're going to bury them, you're going to make people disinterested in them, and then there's no coming back from that. Especially on a small brand like NXT UK. And this tag division desperately needs them. However, this match, though decent, the result annoyed me somewhat. So, match first. Lewis Howley handles Dave Mastiff well. Goes to the leg. Mastiff steamrollers pretty deadly. There's more direction by Dave Mastiff here to Jack Stars. And it's of the you know, the shouty sort that cost them the tag team championship opportunity in the first place. Stars with a nice slingshot splash on Sam Stoker. Mastiff cuts Howley off as he comes off the top rope. And Jack Stars, all credit to him, you know, he's took this role as Dave Mastiff's second, and he's really, really run with it. Before, if you watched NXT UK before, he was just a jobber. There was nothing really to him, to put the, only to put the bigger guys over. But he's took this, he's run with it, and God bless him for it, because fingers crossed, and I know I've been saying he'll go back to being a jobber when this is all over and Dave Mastiff turns on him, etc. But I'd like to see him pushed up the cars into a Heritage Cup spot, because... He's talented. You know, he is a veteran of the sport. And he does, you know, from what he's done for NXT UK, putting people over and just being the dog's body, you know, he deserves a shot at something. So he gets posted by Sam Stoker. Then Stoker goes to Jack Stars' back, rams him into the apron. Pretty deadly with a lovely double team flying bulldog on Stars. And I've not seen it before. So, if you cast your mind back to the Steiners and how they used to do it with the opponent on Scott's shoulders and Rick comes off with the Bulldog, this was different. Lewis Howley gets... (laughs) I can't really explain it. So, he gets Jack Stars in a sort of Four Nelson, arms beyond the back, lifts him up, Jack Stars' legs are off the apron, and then... Sam Stoker comes off the top with a lovely bulldog. And it's just innovative is the word I'm looking for. You must see it. So go back and watch this match just for that move. It's very good. Stoker slingshot stars into Howley and he turns that into a code red. Yes, the code red is you know, the most overdone move in professional wrestling today. But it, it, it looks really good. Howley leapfrogs Dave Mastiff and Sam Stars catches him in the DDT. Then Stoker puts on Jack Stars' jacket and this turns Jack Stars into a madman. He wants to tag. Mastiff isn't sure. Uh, He tags him anyway and then Jack Stars just goes absolutely apeshit. He he tears through pretty deadly like he's a one-man wrecking crew. He's seething, he's spitting. He takes his jacket back, he puts it on And it it almost like it gives him magical powers. I didn't quite like that bit. All right, you've earned it. You know, it's a pride thing, but didn't sit well with me, that. And then Jack Stars hits a massive powerbomb on Sam Stoker for the win. And Dave Mastiff, as well as I, looked shocked. I don't know what's happening, okay? I can only assume that Pretty Deadly are on their way out and going up to NXT. God help them. Because they're doing nothing anymore. You know, they meant so much and now they're losing to Mastiff and Jack Stars just to aid a story that, you know, isn't really going to go anywhere. Will it end 
with the NXT UK Tag Team titles on Mastiff and Stars? I don't think so. I think that distinction is going to Smith and Carter to split up Mustache Mountain. So I'm not quite sure where Mastiff and Stars are going with this. I'm interested to find out, but not at the expense of Pretty Deadly. Sorry. We get another vignette of the truck driver lost in the woods, and Mike Hitchman is talking over the top of this for the first time. I I can't remember him doing a voiceover for the other vignettes that they did. He says he was left to rot. He says that for them, them being Symbiosis, Eddie Dennis, Primate, and Tyson T-Bone, the hunt is over, and for him, him, and for him, it has only just begun. Now, I will, I'll go out on a limb here, and I will say this is some of the best and most impressive footage NXT UK have ever done for a vignette. You know, usually it's just somebody backstage, and you get the bright neon lights, you know, and the, the graphics, etc. But they've really gone to town on pushing Wild Boar's comeback, thank God, and made him feel special. So bravo to all involved for that. The main event of the March the 3rd NXT UK was Ilya Dragunov versus Nathan Fraser for the NXT United Kingdom Championship. Oh, my God. I, I First off, I have to say, before you know, I come out with the negative, because we like... We like both edges of the sword on this podcast. This match, absolutely fantastic. Go out of your way to see it. You'd be a fool not to. Possible NXT UK match of the year candidate. However, they have, for some reason, changed Dragonov's theme and his look upon entrance. It was, you know, admittedly, the theme was a little dictatory let's say you know the russian march and he's you know the leather jacket he wore it possibly arguably made him look like a russian dictator though a baby face one and obviously with everything that's going on in the world right now wwe wanted to stray as far away from that as possible and i see it i see it but he now wears like a silky robe with a boa sewn into the collar and it it doesn't look great at all and this theme it's less russian it's less catchy and it just doesn't sit well with me at all i understand wanting to get away from things and wanting to get away from negative connotations of things but you know this illinois dragon of look and music it's not for me it might be for you great but it's not for me this match however was right up my alley. Dragunov now looks more like Cara Noir with his entrance gear, um, which, you know, that's not a bad thing. Cara Noir is a, is a great wrestler, but it, 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 it brings it down a little bit for me. You know, there was something about the music and him marching to the ring and waving his arms. It, it was different. It set him apart from the rest of the field. And changing the music, it's just, it's so petty, you know? As if anyone's going to turn on the TV and think, my God, this man might invade Ukraine. Absolutely ridiculous. WWE have got to stop changing entrance music. And that is going to be one of the factors and one of the points we're going to bring up 
in the We Need to Talk About NXT special later this week. So, as for the match itself, Dragonov leg sweep suplex. I've not seen that before. It looks very, very good. There's more intensity from this version of Dragonov. You know, even in the opening headlocks, he slaps harder. He slams harder. He hits like his life depends on it. And Nathan Fraser, God bless him, he sells it like death, which I'm sure it must have felt like because I've not seen Dragonov this angry and this upset and this vicious, even with Walter. So maybe there's a new character sort of coming out with the new look and the, the new music. We'll have to see. There is a huge sequence here where they avoid each other at speed. Dragonov just punches him out in a, an air of complete menace about this. A Cobra clutch into a ripcord forearm from Dragonov, which connects. You know, I, I've seen some stuff this weekend which didn't connect. Boots, which went far wide. Punches, which went far wide. This catches Nathan Fraser square in the jaw. And I have no idea how he didn't dislocate his jaw. Brutal. Fraser breaks himself almost to look good for Dragonov. Dragonov hits the trifecta of Germans. Fraser lands on his feet at last. Backflip off of the rope and then just caught in a devastating gotch lift. The champion with a Cobra, cobra Clutch crossface. You try saying that, especially when you've got a bit of a lisp like I have. Fraser with a super kick and a hurricanrana near fall. Moonsault reverse DDT. The strikes go back and forth and back and forth. Fraser with a sleeper, which Dragonov breaks out and injures his elbow on. Uh, comes into play in the last quarter of this match. Fraser hits a sling blade, a super kick into the injured arm, and then into the face for a great near fall. Every punch and clothesline hurts to watch. Fraser's chest was red raw. I felt my ribs were broken after I'd watched this. That is how hard it hits. Frazier reverses a top rope powerbomb into a Hurricane Rana. Huge corkscrew splash for a near fall. And then Dragunov does something I've not seen him do before. This is just sheer violence at this point. He is stood above him and he just falls on top of him with a big forearm to the face. Just to have that, you cunt. Pardon my French. And then Dragunov stands up his challenger, and he just launches himself into him with a Torpedo Moscow for the win. Excellent match. I will, We've seen a lot of excellent wrestling this weekend, a lot of surprise wrestling, but you will have to go a long, long way to find a match better than this uh, for March, for April, possibly for May as well. And I have to give a shout-out to Dragunov versus Kara Noir, from the recent progress. It is called his best match in the United Kingdom. And the best match in the United Kingdom for at least 20 years. However, Dragunov, we're hearing, may have picked up an injury during that. Just waiting to find out more. But do check out this match. Check out his match against Kara Noir. I'm sure it will be on the network at some point. After the match, Dragunov helps Nathan Fraser up. And... Just shakes hands after an incredible, incredible war. I cannot recommend this match enough. And just another, it's just, you know, it's just another point of how NXT UK stand out from the rest 
of WWE right now and what you're missing by not watching it. We are moving on to the March the 10th episode and again just kick straight off wasting no time with the action. We start with Charlie Dempsey versus A-Kid. We've heard how this match came about in the PC. Hope you were listening. Dempsey is asked as the episode comes in where the familiar are and he says he doesn't need them for this. He doesn't need them at all, let's be honest. If you've been following Charlie Dempsey and Dee Familiar and this podcast and NXT UK for any amount of time, then you will have heard us orate that he doesn't need that stable. He doesn't need Tio Man. He doesn't need Rohan Raja, who are both very plain and very boring wrestlers. Charlie Dempsey's going far on his own, and I'm sure they're just doing this to buy time. You know, well, they come up with something good for him. But the sooner he ditches these two, the better. As for this, this is part of A-Kid's farewell to NXT UK. At least for now, I believe. If you've been keeping up with NXT in the States, then you would have seen him on there a time or two before WrestleMania weekend. And good luck to him. You know, he's got skill just flowing from his paws, and he could be a big star. I don't think he will be, because it's not what Bruce Pritchard wants, or what Vince McMahon wants in a wrestler. But, you know, good luck to him. Great wrestler. As for this match, Charlie Dempsey hits a snapmare, which a kid cartwheels out of. There's some lovely mat wrestling to begin with, as they fear each other out. Dempsey goes to the fingers in a pure Pete Dunn move, locks in an armbar crossface, which looks brutal. Dempsey reverses a sunboard, a sunboard, fuck me, I can't even talk this week, reverses a surfboard into a pinfall, Aki counters a bridging test of strength into a monkey flip, that looks very, very good indeed, and then Aki gets a bridge of his own, balances on Dempsey, even stands on him, and this is what impressed me most about Charlie Dempsey in this match, even though everything about him impresses me, he's a phenomenal technical wrestler. As Aikid is stood on Charlie Dempsey, and I mean Charlie Dempsey's arched back so much, his head is the only thing really holding him up, along with his legs, obviously. But So Aikid is stood on a human bridge, and Charlie Dempsey crosses his arms and just lets, he lets Aikid just, just stand there. And even when Aikid is off, Dempsey just holds the pose as if to say, there's nothing you can do to me, kid, to hurt me. It, it, you have to see it. I can't do it justice by words. Reversals. Back and forth. Really good. Aked octopus stretch. Turns a stomp into an ankle lock. And this looks like it hurts. It looks like it really, really hurts. Charlie Dempsey hits a dragon screw. Which I will say a modified dragon screw, actually. Because he arches back. He works the ankle. Locks in a regal stretch, which he converts into an arm bar. It's like, where does he get this stuff from? It's like he knows, you know, the man of 100,000 moves. Fisherman suplex by Dempsey. Dragon suplex. A-Kid then hits his own dragon suplex into an Uma planter. Dempsey reverses it into a short powerbomb. And then a throat thrust. Knocks A-Kid outside the ring. 
Dempsey distracts the referee and Rohan Raja attacks Akid from behind, rolls him back in, and as he's rolled back in, Akid is caught in, they call it a modified bow and arrow on commentary, but I can only describe it to you as a sickening submission hold. His leg is bent up at a disgusting angle to touch his head, and Akid has to tap out. Along with the Dragonov Nathan Frazier main event, which is a different sort of match to this, I urge you to seek out Charlie Dempsey versus A Kid. This is a great example of British wrestling, and it just goes to show you really how high WWE, NXT UK, really, how you know high they are on Charlie Dempsey. Phenomenal talent, phenomenal talent, and maybe. Six months down the line, one of the names in the hat, along with Jordan Devlin and, <clears throat> pardon me, Noam Dar, to dethrone Dragunov of the United Kingdom Championship. But that is only a possibility. We cut backstage to Sid Scala, announcing a special guest who's coming over from America. He's then interrupted by Wolfgang, who wants a match. Scala tells him that next week he will face NXT's Roderick Strong. Roderick Strong, who's already bored of NXT, but maybe going to SmackDown, I hear. So good luck to Roderick Strong after he's finished in NXT UK. Wild Boar returns to NXT UK, thank Christ, after Symbiosis beat Josh Morell and Danny Jones and attack Eddie Dennis with a chair. Now, if you don't remember the last time you saw Wild Boar, you're forgiven. It was January last year, January 2021, when he wrestled his last match. He suffered, and I believe it was an ACL injury. He had to have surgery on his knee, which they said on commentary was reconstructed. He's been out for a year. We last saw him and Primate as the hunt. <clears throat> they turned heel on on. Subculture. Nearly forgot their name then. I haven't seen them for so long. I have not seen Flash Morgan Webster. I'll just interrupt this as we're talking about subculture for a minute. I'm hearing maybe done in NXT UK. So I just want to say before we go any further, good luck to you, Flash. If you don't resign, uh, he might, but he's already turned down an offer. So I'm hearing. So Flash, if you don't. Re- you know, resign with WWE with NXT UK, and you do decide that your future lies elsewhere, then I wish you nothing but the best of luck because you are a great talent. You were much better than subculture. You should have been NXT UK champion and a great heel into the bargain, but they didn't use you right. So, Flash, whatever you decide, we wish you nothing but the best of luck here at the Union Smack podcast. Back on track, back to the point. The Hunt turned heel on subculture uh, at the end of 2020. That resulted in a great match against, you know, it's like a, a arena-wide brawl almost. Very, very good. Seek that out from January 2021. And then Mike Wildbore Hitchman went down with a bad knee injury. And the last we really saw of him, at least the last I remember seeing of him was in a vignette where Eddie Dennis replaced him with Tyson T-Bone. 
And my memory, he's pressed up against a, a chain link fence in a vignette in his ball mask. And he, he's pulled back, squealing into the darkness. There might have been some, some trash there. The commentator said there was, but I don't remember it. But that's the last time I saw Mike Hitchman. He's been missed. He's a great talent. And I'm not convinced this feud with Symbiosis is going anywhere, though Travis secretly hopes that he ends Symbiosis and gets them out of NXT UK. He cannot stand that tag team. But for me, great to see Mike Hitchman back. Could not be more pleased. I will say this should have been bigger, his return. How would I have done it? I would have probably dimmed the lights. Maybe had hired the actor who was the truck driver to sort of run down the aisle, scared like someone was after him. And then, you know, lights go out, the woods appear on the screen. Hitchman runs towards the camera on the screen and then sort of comes out of somewhere and chases the the truck driver down the aisle and then attacks Eddie Dent. Something like that. Something to give it a bit more gravitas. But, you know, he's back, been missed, and hopefully now this is the beginning of a major push for Wild Boar Mike Hitchman. Because if you've not seen him before, little guy, ferocious in the ring, deserves more than he's got from NXT UK so far. Could be a top guy. Backstage, Oliver Carter and Ashton Smith are arguing with Mustache Mountain in the Performance Centre. Smith pulls the camera over and accuses Tyler Bate of trying to back out of giving them a rematch. Now, Tyler Bate says they get a chance, but it's not the chance that they want. And Trent Seven says that instead of a tag team championship match, which they were promised, they will get two singles matches where they will get the chance to earn another shot at the champions. This nearly ends in fisticuffs. I can't tell whether they're turning both of Mustache Mountain or not, or whether this is a clever ploy just to see how far Tyler Bates' loyalty will stretch before they lose the titles and before one of them turn. Now, I don't know which one it's going to be, but there's more, much more to talk about on this later on in the show. The main event of March the 10th, NXT UK Heritage Cup Championship, Noam Dar versus Joe Coffey. I love Joe Coffey. If you've listened to this podcast before, even as far back when he was announced for the 2018 United Kingdom Championship Tournament, I have been a, you know, a staunch and stellar fan of Joe Coffey, but I have no idea why he's in this position after losing almost every feud for a year. Great wrestler. He's become almost a gatekeeper for NXT UK now. Anyone new that comes in, they have to go through Joe Coffey just to you know move on to, to better things. That's a good role for him now. I But I have no idea why he's in this, just to give him something to do, I assume, as are the rest of Gallus. Noam Dar... If you've not seen Noam Dar since his time on Turbo 5 Live, like four years ago, you really are missing out. This guy 
is on a different level to everyone else on this roster. And I, I you know, I'm talking about Devlin, Bate, Seven, Dragonov. He's on a different level to all of them, in my opinion. Bleeds charisma and likability. <sighs> the beginning of this match made me chuckle a bit. Just on the introductions, Noam Dar does a, a cocky little dance around the cup. And I'd seriously consider champion versus champion, him and Dragunov, when they're ready to take the belt off the Russian. Because I think Noam Dar would be a fantastic a fantastic champion in the vein of Eddie Guerrero, where you know you could hate him at any minute, but you just can't resist loving him. So round one of this match, Coffee works over the wrist of Dar for half the round. Noam gets a rear wrist, a rear waist takedown, sorry, but can't get the better of Coffee. He blocks a Boston Crab by grabbing the ankle, and the round ends with Joe Coffee stood over Dar, arms folded. It's a standard feeling out round, as most of these Heritage Cups are, but I'm not going to burn you out too much on it because we've got a second one coming up at the end of the show. Round two begins with Joe Coffee headlock takedowns, which Noam Dar has trouble getting out of. Noam Dar hits a hard kick to the stomach, but Coffey, a huge charge, takes him down. And Joe Coffey, German suplex, Glasgow send-off to score the first fall. 1-0 to Joe Coffey in round two. Round three begins. Joe Coffey hits a springboard crossbody for a near fall. Noam Dar, shin kick, axe kick into the champagne super knee bar, which looks phenomenal. Just the whole transition of the thing. Coffee rolls out. Noam Dar counters a German suplex into head kicks and then a victory roll to even up in round three. Joe Coffee won. Noam Dar won. I feel like I'm reading out the, the scores on the football here. Round four. Shah Samuels gives Noam Dar swig from his hip flask, which is very good, very funny. Punches and kicks galore back and forth. Dar stomps the arms and the ankles as the pace begins to pick up. Elbow to the face. Joe Coffey slingshot shoulder block. Uppercut, belly-to-belly suplex. And then tries to apply a Boston Crab, which Noam Dar gets the rope break on. The fist fight outside as the round ends. And then once the bell rings, Noam Dar kicks Joe Coffey to put him down. Round five, as Joe Coffey is recovering in the corner, Noam Dar hits a running drop kick, a halluva kick in the corner for a near fall. Coffey counters the Nova Roller with the Glasgow send-off for another near fall. Coffey with a lariat for a third near fall. You can see where it's going. Building up with the near falls. Dar punches, kicks. Coffey hits all the best for the bells, but Shah Samuels puts Dar's foot on the rope. Referee catches it just in time. Mark Coffey then attacks Shah Samuels outside and Noam Dar takes advantage of the distraction, hits a back elbow, connects with the Nova Roller for the win. It's a good match. Won't be disappointed with it, but this is not a patch on Noam Dar versus A-Kid. And I think... I think Noam Dar is the future of this brand. You've got people coming up now. You've got Devlin. You've got Dar. You've got Dempsey. Three men who you could easily build this brand around for the next five years. Easily. 
And if you're going to be giving everyone massive runs with the NXT UK title, then possibly even longer. I would invest if I was WWE right now. And the same goes for Mike Hitchman as well. Sorry, Mike, I left you off. Those four men, Hitchman, Dar, Devlin and Dempsey, almost all the Ds, I would invest everything I've got in making sure that they are the pinnacle and the focus of this brand going forward. We are getting there, smackheads. And next up, March the 17th. This begins with the touching in tribute to Scott Hall graphic. Nice to see them plaster that everywhere. And fans are back in the arena for the first time in a month and a half. Good job, because this kicks off with Tyler Bate versus Oliver Carter in the first of those singles matches to determine whether Smith and Carter get another shot at the NXT UK Tag Team Championships. Now, hand on heart, this should have been the main event of the episode. There was nothing that could touch this. A few things tried, one or two might have come close, but there was nothing that was going to top this, you know, on this episode at least. Now, the fans are up for seeing this, but they had not yet seen the Tag Team Championship match, which went before it. They, how do you explain it? So basically, because fans hadn't been in the arena since February, they weren't in attendance for the Tag Team Championship match, so no one had really seen it until it aired. And it aired before, no, it aired after this was taped, if that makes sense to you. Logistics, give me a fucking headache. So this lovely technical beginning with Tyler Bate using all his nows and skill to escape in different ways. Oliver Carter hits a head scissors takedown, Harlem sidekick, Tyler Bate with a victory roll and a drop kick over the top rope. I've not seen an actual drop kick over the top rope for Christ knows how long. Carter refuses to give up and it starts to turn you in their favour. So beforehand, everyone was just Mustache Mountain. You know, Mustache Mountain are the the legends of this brand, the, the forebearers the Founding Fathers, etc. But this feud is beginning to turn people, and I can see why, in the favour of Smith and Carter. They're the hard-done-by underdogs. They, by rights, should have been tag-team champions if that match had continued and Seven not have cheated. And the, the, the way they're telling this story has to be applauded. They're not forcing them down your throat. They're not saying these should be champions or these should be the number one contenders because there's no one else and we've had picked them. They're making them earn it and not just earn a a championship shot. They're making you earn, they're making them, sorry, earn the respect of the viewing public wrestling. And this goes for AEW, WWE, you know, impact, whatever. They could learn a lot from this. You know, this, this is how you slowly build two stars and, Smith and Carter should, by rights, come out of this feud, if not with the Tag Team Championships, then on another level to what they are now. You can't take them from this and dump them back into being jobbers for the other three teams in the division or whoever's coming next. That's not going to work. 
Smith and Carter have to now be one of the prominent tag teams in NXT UK. And as you can hear, my voice is going croaky already, and we've still got a lot to cover. So crack out them sandwiches. Oliver Carter hits a bicycle kick to the back. Looks very nice indeed. Bate catches Carter in the corner. Explode a deadlift. Bate with an aeroplane spin into a gut buster. Very nice indeed. There are very slight glimpses here of a heel Tyler Bate. Where he's, he's just punching him out on the ropes mercilessly. Like He doesn't care. He just wants to win. Trying to get sneaky pins here and there. It's all very telling. You know, beforehand, people would be like, Trent Seven is definitely the man that's going to turn. You know, the cheating ways. And you get more of that to come. But, you know, maybe, just maybe, it's going to be Tyler Bate. Carter hits a super kick. Full Nelson backbreaker. Near falls galore. There's an exchange of kicks. A springboard into Tyler Bate, who rebounds off of the ropes. Hits his clothesline. Carter reverses the, tri- uh, the Tyler driver into a hurricane round the pin for a near fall. And then the match comes to a shuddering halt. Ashton Smith and Trent Seven begin to argue outside. Sh- uh, Seven shoves Smith into the steps, which then distracts Tyler Bate, who's on the ropes. Carter jumps up. Bate hits a bop and bang. Then he comes off with a back elbow, but Oliver Carter reverses it into a backslide for a shock upset. Oliver Carter pins Tyler Bate clean in the middle of the ring, and the ending was perfectly done. It wasn't awkward. Tyler Bate barely even landed before Oliver Carter snatched him into a backslide. I've not, like, like a lot of other things on this episode, I've not seen that before. Perfectly, perfectly done. Well executed. And I can't wait for Mustache Mountain or Trent Seven to finally turn. Because Trent Seven is to blame for Tyler Bates' loss. So who knows where this is going. A kid. Now, I'm not going to go. Before we start this, what to come next is basically a build for A kid. And Saxon Huxley versus the Familiar. Okay, we're not reviewing that match on this episode. I cannot watch any more of Tierman and Rohan Raja. At least not this month, probably not next month. They drain the life out of me. They make me not want to watch NXT UK. That's how bad it is. To the point where I'm actively fast-forwarding their stuff. That is how bad it's got me. So A-Kid approaches Saxon Huxley backstage and asks if he remembers him. Saxon Huxley's mental. He's not got dementia. Huxley shouts about the rain in Spain, says he's driving the train. That's, you know, hark back to the elocution lessons from last month. And this part is amusing. You know, Huxley is very amusing when he's allowed to explore the character. He agrees to be A-Kid's tag team partner, and, like I've said, guess what we won't be reviewing. Symbiosis go into Sid Scala's office and are told that Wild Boar has requested a match with Eddie Dennis. Now, there's the white red flag. That is the end game. Wild Boar versus Eddie Dennis is the end game 
to this symbiosis feud. It will happen at some point, but first, Wild Boy is going to have to go through both Primate and T-Bone. Dennis doesn't want the match. He tries to put forward Tyson and Primate, then leaves before Sid Scala can say no. I do like that they're building up the threat of Wild Boar by making Eddie Dennis afraid of him. So people are now looking at it and going, is he, is he that dangerous? What is he afraid of? And then to end the March the 17th episode. <laughs> I forgot the date then. It's written down in front of me. Roderick Strong versus Wolfgang. We're not reviewing this. It wasn't the main event. It should have been all the main event I was expecting. It certainly wasn't really good enough, you know, to warrant bringing someone over from NXT4, especially as someone as, as good as Roderick Strong. But the fact is, the sad fact, is that the declining ratings have forced them to try and boost something by bringing in others and making a run for the NXT UK title. It won't work in the long run. You know, appearances here and there are nice. Look at the Undisputed Era running at, at um, Blackpool 2. You know, fans pop big time. But it wouldn't have worked as a regular thing. People have got bored of it because the magic of NXT UK, at least for me, has always been that it's small in a big way. Showcase the best of the UK talent. Too many foreign NXT stars would muddy those waters. And it would become really just like NXT, where people just come up and are lost in the shuffle. That's not what NXT UK is. The other reason Roderick Strong is here, because they've run out of credible challengers for Ilya Dragunov, We've got to the point now where there's no one ready. Uh, Rampage Brown hasn't been seen since November last year when he picked up that weird so-called injury. They've saved Devlin for the next NXT TakeOver. Noam Dar is the Heritage Cup champion and they don't want to go champion versus champion just yet. And I can see that. And as good as men like Ben Carter are, they're not the household name Dragunov's title reign requires. Not right now, anyway. If you just look at Pete Dunne and Walter's reigns, you know, their championship matches were few and far between and mostly always within the feud of some sorts. That's what made them memorable. It hasn't always been that way with Dragunov. Often he's just defended the title because it needed defending or because they thought that the you know, that particular NXT UK episode needed a championship match. It's a tricky situation. I can see the problem they're in. They need credible challengers without, you know, wheeling out Jordan Devlin to lose every week because that would diminish his credibility. But there is really no one right now. You you could have Dragunov against Huxley. You could have Dragunov against, you know, Tierman, Raja, Eddie Dennis. You know, all these people. But it wouldn't it would devalue the title for me because he's just defending it for the sake of defending it. Roddy Strong is here to do a job. I'm sure he will do that job. But for me, they've rushed this match. This will happen on the first NXT UK of April, which will come your way next month here on the Union Smack podcast. What comes next? I'm not sure, unfortunately. But the most important part of Strong versus Wolfgang 
whilst that strong challenge Dragunov for the NXT UK title says he's not here for a long time, he's here for a good time. Oh, we're getting there, Smackheads. We are getting there slowly, but surely. Because we're on the penultimate episode of NXT UK for March 2022. March the 24th, and this, it's not a great episode, I'm going to be honest with you. It kicked off with the Familiar versus A-Kid and Saxon Huxley, which we're not reviewing for the reasons I've already stated. So we're going to pick this up. Amal, lovely, gorgeous, sexy Amal, backstage. And before anything can happen, Zaya Brookside interrupts her in the cringiest way and flatters her into a rematch the following week. Now, once Amal has accepted and left, Zaya Brookside is spied on her phone to who we assume is her father. She says, hey, daddy, it's time, but we will come to find out that it's not Robbie Brookside she is on the phone to. Wild Boar versus Tyson T-Bone, the first in what I'm assuming is going to be three matches in this rivalry as Wild Boar works his way through symbiosis to get to Eddie Dennis. This is Hitchman's first match back since January 2021. As we've already been through, I just like to remind people. There is a great reception from the crowd for him. When he returned, let's not forget, and attacked Teddy Dennis with a chair, there was no crowd in the audience, so he didn't get that pop. But here, they they treat him like he's almost a god. It is it is heartwarming to see. Now, Wild Boar comes from the crowd, attacks all three men as they bail, and then attacks T-Bone in the corner, but gets a punch in the face and gets sandwiched between symbiosis on the outside. T-Bone goes to the repaired knee, which Eddie Dennis helps him out on beyond the referee's back, and then uses his power to catch Wild Boar, hit a fall-away slam. Everything about Wild Boar, I have to say at this moment in time, is great. The way he moves, the way he sells, his reactions. You know, he's like a... What's the right word? I don't say wild because his name's Wild Boar, but he's like an unkempt, savage Spike Dudley, if you like. And I'd rather see him in that role than Pete Dunne. Fuck me, what have they done to Pete Dunne? I saw him on the main roster for the first time at WrestleMania, and Jesus Christ, a little part of me died inside. Wild Boar hits a gore in the corner. And a nice guillotine DDT for the win. I'm not sure whether that's his new finisher, but it should be. It's it's very good indeed. He chases Eddie Dennis to the back. And I will say, like I've said before, Wild Boar should be bigger this time around. He has it all. Dragonov is suited and booted backstage as he addresses the challenge of Roderick Strong. Dragonov says that he had to be strong to win the title. And it's all the same speech with him. Yeah, it's all the same speech with him. It's getting a little bit boring now. You know, I had to be strong to win this. I had to you know, steal my mind to, to win that. You need something new for him now, NXT UK. Otherwise, Dragunov runs the risk of just petering out, really, as a character. If you have to turn him heel, so be it. But if he's going to stay babyface, then you really need to give him something better than this to say all the time. 
He then ends by saying the star is a diamond that doesn't crack under pressure. Very good line. It's not a yes to the challenge, but secretly we all know it is. And about five minutes later, NXT UK spoil it by announcing that they will face off in two weeks' time. The first NXT, as I've said, first NXT UK, sorry, as I've said, to begin April. Now, we get a really good vignette for Naam Dar versus Mark Coffey for the Heritage Cup the following week. Dar is incredible here. And just, you know, we've sung his praises a lot so far on this podcast, but I'm going to add a great mic man onto this. He riles Mark Coffey by calling him the driver of Gallus and saying that this is as big as he'll ever be. Just top class, Naam Dar. The episode ends with the NXT UK Women's Championship on the line. Mako Satamora defends against Isla Dawn. This needed a little more build than it had. All it really had was an attack by Isla Dawn and then two vignettes. And that's it. But this is what happens when you have to plan on the fly after the Blair Davenport injury. I'm still convinced that they were going to put the title on Davenport. And now this is just a a frantic scramble to keep the title on television, keep Satamora relevant and strong until Davenport gets back and takes the title off of her. Because there's no doubt in my mind now that Blair Davenport will be NXT UK Women's Champion when she returns from injury. Isla Dawn looks fucking deranged here. Both eyes painted a different colour, swaying to and through. This is some top-notch character work. She's She wrestles and looks and acts in this match like a young Luna Vachon. And that's the best compliment I can pay her because Luna Vachon was a marvellous character. She was a good worker. And Isla Dawn steps up to that in this match. Mako Satamora hits hard with punches and kicks, but Isla Dawn chokes her in the ropes. The champion catches a pump kick and levels a kick to the head, just kicks her brutally to the head, which harks back to how this match came about when Isla Dawn interrupted Satamora's sort of, they gave flowers to her, you know, you saw it last month, and kicked her in the head to announce that she was challenging for the title. Dawn drags her outside, high knee against the barricade. She looked, and I can't hammer this home enough, right, with Isla Dawn, because she's received a fair share of criticism from the Union Smack podcast over the last four, five years. I remember watching the first episode of NXT UK and her outfit being so tight around the crotch that I was worried one of her lips would slip out. You know, I remembered saying things like, I could read her lips in that outfit and all this. But she has come on in leaps and bounds. She is now, for me, a solid, solid worker who should be given the title at some point. Not yet. Even though I would like to see where it goes if they did. But if she carries on on this path, she should be NXT UK champion in, in a year, two years' time. Because she looked very capable in this match when she was in control Wasted little with her movement. Very, very assured performance. So, bravo, Isla Dawn. The challenger. Knees look lethal. Meteora for a near fall. Bicycle kick. 
she is just laying in the boots right now. Satamora hits a spin kick, which doesn't take Dawn down, but a belly-to-back does. And Isla Dawn counters a frog splash with some vicious knees and hits a pitch-perfect fisherman suplex for a near fall. Even Kurt Hennig would have been proud of that fisherman's. Satamora, overhead kick, DVD, hit near fall. She misses a DDT, misses a handspring axe kick, but rolls up Isla Dawn with an octopus pin for the win. The end is a little flat. They should have allowed Isla Dawn a little bit more. They should have allowed her to get too cocky and confident for her own good. You know, make one wrong move and then get hit with either the Scorpio rising or, you know, rolled up out of desperation. Because Isla Dawn deserved more than just being rolled up in a flat ending. At the end, but this isn't over, by the way, because after the match, Dawn steals the championship. And she just deserves applaudits here. In-ring, character work, top-notch. There will be a rematch. There must be a rematch. Though I said that about A-Kid and Noam Dar. And then what did they do? They fucked him off to NXT instead. But, you know, real, real championship performance from Isla Dawn. And I'm very, very optimistic about her future. So, you know, I, I applaud you, Isla. And finally, the March the 31st NXT UK begins with the match between Amal and Zia Brookside. I should say rematch, actually. I have to give Zia Brookside some credit here. But first, before that, if you hear rustling in the background or me suddenly scream, then that's my adorable cat TARDIS just looking for treats and climbing over me until he gets them. Because he's persistent like that. So, yeah, I have to give Zy Brookside credit. Over the past few weeks and months, I have trashed her character, quite rightly so. It is deplorable. This spoiled brat, you know, this slutty little spoiled teenager, if you like, is just awful. The way she talks... Go straight through me. But her ring work and her mannerisms are much better as a heel than they are as a babyface. Now, take from that what you will. Am I saying she's better as a heel than a babyface? Not out of the ring. You know, promos, vignettes, etc. She's just unbearable. Not unbearable as in, oh, you know... I can't wait to see her get beat. I want to pay money to see her. Unbearable as in get the fuck off of my television right now because I'm going to switch it off if you don't. In ring though, and mannerisms, she's she's a very, very good heel. Now, this starts with Zia Brookside slapping Amal sloppily, but she soon gets flattened and Amal looks great here. She's looked great you know, since NXT returned really. Brookside, with a corner stomp to counter a charge, stands and stomps on Amal's back, hits the Broken Wings Meteora for a near fall. Amal breaks the camel clutch by falling back and then hits a bicycle knee and a northern lights for another near fall. Zaya Brookside counters the Hope Breaker. 
into a Boston Crab, which Amal then counters again. Brookside dodges the inspiration kick, but gets hit with it over the barricade, and that is when everything changes for Zaya Brookside. As she is rolled back into the ring, Amal sort of staggers back, and then she gets attacked from behind by Lizzie Evo, who is dressed as a fan, pulls her back by her hair, and that allows Zaya Brookside to roll her in, hit the broken wings for the victory. And it's a decent match. You know, it's nothing outstanding, but this I wanted to mention because of the debut of Lizzie Evo in NXT UK. Now, if you don't know Lizzie Evo, then she is a former TNT Women's Champion, former Defiant Women's Champion. She's known and loved in progress, several tours of Japan, and she is also the current Catch and PCW Women's Champion which isn't a good thing for her because it means she's not committed to WWE fully and has other commitments to the Indies. And as we've seen with the likes of Amelia McKenzie, if you've got commitments to the Indies and elsewhere and you're not committed to WWE fully, then you won't be used in a major role. And she's now probably just likely to be a lackey to Brookside until she's ready to, you know, to do it properly, whatever. Uh, whenever someone wants Zyra Brookside, they'll probably have to go through Evo first. I mean, on the plus side, it probably means we'll get to see Zyra Brookside win more and possibly make her way up the ladder, but that character's got to go. Um, I will say Lizzie Evo will now be known as Eliza Alexander. So make of that what you will. Let's see how she gets on. Let's not hold our breath. But let's see how she gets on. Next up, we get an Isla Dawn vignette. She's in her parlour with the NXT UK Women's Championship and says that if Mako Satamora wants to see the championship again, then she'll do as she asks because there's something that she wants. But yet, we don't get to find out what she wants because this goes off. And I'm glad this feud isn't over because I think Isla Dawn is going to really prosper from working with Satamora at length and that can only be a good thing for the future of this women's division next up Trent Seven versus Ashton Smith the last match in the the two matches that Smith and Carter have to prove that they are worthy of another NXT UK tag team championship match Smith overpowers Seven to begin he reverses he reverses into Trent Seven slams, hip tosses, seven chops in the corner, slaps, lovely suplex, and Ashton Smith counters a Cobra clutch with a huge power slam. And this begins to show just how good Ashton Smith is, and Ashton Smith can be. You know, technically, his sound here holds his own, and his execution is just brilliant. Smith nails a violent hell of a kick, or hell of a kick, depending on how you pronounce it. Catches Trent Seven coming off the second ropes. And he doesn't just catch him, but he catches him. And then he sort of lifts him up, deadlift, into a suplex. Trent Seven gets a superplex for a near fall. And then the heel in him resurfaces. He uses the ropes to duck between, so the referee is forced to stop a pump kick from Ashton Smith. 
and then slaps Smith behind the referee's back as Trent Seven watches on. And you can begin to see Trent Seven getting suspicious and disapproval, which just builds another layer to this, this, this feud. Seven hits a dragon suplex. Emerald throws him for a near fall. Ashton Smith counters the seven stars lariat into his own for another near fall. The near falls start to come out thick and fast now. Seven counters a sunset flip by holding onto the ropes. But as soon as he sees Tyler Bates disapproving look, he lets go. Ashton Smith reverses that into a pin attempt. But Trent Seven kicks out. Rolls up Ashton Smith and grabs the tights for the win. Now, Tyler Bate is at ringside looking very suspicious. But on the replay, we see that Tyler Bate was watching the whole time. So he could see Trent Seven grab the handful of tights. Tyler Bate isn't happy. And now this is becoming very, very interesting as to where this goes and what happens. Because Tyler Bate can see Trent Seven cheating to win and he doesn't know what to do. Does he join him or does he refuse to cheat and ultimately cost them the championships, which is where I think this is going. I'm excited to see, but I don't want them to copy Kenny Williams and Amir Jordan. I said that last month, but I I fear this is where they're going. The innocent party can see the other one cheating because he wants something more than him. You know, he warns him, he doesn't want him to do it, and eventually that party begins to get bored with the the do-gooder and turns on them. That won't happen until the tag team titles are off of Mustache Mountain, whenever that will be. I don't think it will be long. I think it will be in the next few months. Definitely by summer, I think Mustache Mountain will have the titles off of them and be split. But it's now a a case of who turns first because what we see next is the two teams arguing backstage and Tyler Bate looks as awkward as anything. He doesn't know what to say, doesn't know what to do, doesn't know who to side with. Sid Scala tells them that he'll sort it out in his office next week and then when they're left alone, Tyler Bate just does not like how Trent Seven won. But Seven tells him that a win is a win and he can't lose this. So, It's going one of two ways. Trent Seven turns on Tyler Bate for costing them the titles, you know, costing them something that he he felt like he couldn't lose because then his career was over. Or Trent Seven is turned on by Tyler Bate, who is sick of being held back by Seven, you know, who's sick of him taking shortcuts. Again, can't beat him, join a mentality. And Seven is cleverly weaved into the role of stalwart who was cost his last shot at the big time by an arrogant younger partner and we feel sorry for him after all of this it's good so like i say it's going to be very very interesting to see how they play this and where it goes from here we get another nxt uk debut from tate mayfairs here who shocks Kenny Williams by beating him by countout. And if you've never heard of of Tate Mayfairs, then he's also an actor listed on several talent sites in the UK, so many strings through his bow, trained by Sid Scala, and just he's spent time honing his craft over the last few years in IPW, Progress, 
and most notably Rumble Wrestle Promotions here in the United Kingdom. So if you want to familiarise yourself with him, I'm sure there's a few of his bits on YouTube somewhere. Now, this annoyed me, what is coming up next. Really, really annoyed me. And if you've been a long-time listener to this podcast, then you'll know how much I absolutely hated the feud between Gallus and DeFamilia. And yet, for the first NXT UK of April, we are getting Charlie Dempsey versus Wolfgang. Again. A fucking again. We've done this already, and it was a dull as ditch water. Why would you want this again? Are they that desperate and that bored? And run out of you know ideas for Charlie Dempsey that it has to be Wolfgang again? Because I'm now thinking this is inevitably going to lead into Wolfgang losing to Dempsey, maybe Gallus getting involved, because what's coming next certainly rules them out of the NXT UK Heritage Cup picture, and a few with Noam Dar. Just mind-boggling that they think anyone wants to see Wolfgang and Dempsey and Gallus and DeFamilia go at this again. This had better be a one and done, otherwise we're going to have a few more things to say about this. Finally, NXT UK Heritage Cup Championship twice in one month, Noam Dar defends against Mark Coffey this time, meaning that he has defended against all three members of Gallus over the last, what, two months, two and a half months. And this is the end of Gallus versus Noam Dar, I am sure. He is becoming a real fighting champion and respected by the fan base. There are loud, loud chants of supernova during this. Now, because all Heritage Cup matches are becoming of similar ilk, you know, first few rounds used to slowly build momentum with the last few all go, I'm just going to pick the highlights out of this because we've been through one Heritage Cup match round by round already and it's not too dissimilar in the first round or so. So Noam Dar breaks halfway through the first round to have a swig from a hip flask. And he sort of splashes Joe Coffey at ringside. He's almost disrespecting Mark Coffey by saying to him, I can beat you even if I'm pissed. Dar calls in babyface Coffey between rounds one and two as another drink, while Shah Samuels takes a, a, a phone call to take more bets on the match. This is really good stuff, by the way. You might be thinking it's a bit there, but it's really, really good stuff. Then Noam Dar pins Mark Coffey with an inside cradle for the first fall in round two. Mark Coffey gets more vicious in round three, punches, kicks, hard slams, etc. And a baseball baseball slide to Shah Samuels. And then Mark Coffey pins Noam Dar in round three with his leaping kick to even it up at 1-1. These matches need to change format from time to time. It's always 1-1 going into the last few rounds. It would be nice for the champion to win a few of them 2-0 before we even get to round 5 or 6. Round 4, Noam Dar kicks Mark Coffey off the ropes, which looks brutal. Coffey turns him inside out with a clothesline. Dar refuses to release the champagne super knee bar at the end of the round. And then we enter the last round. Round 5, Coffey reverses a knee bar into a near fall, locks in a cross face. Shah Samuels is chased by Joe Coffey, clobbered by Mark Coffey in the ring. Joe follows him in. Mark tries to stop his brother, but Noam Dar uses a distraction to hit the Nova Roller for the win 
in round five. And it's almost identical to the, the end of the, the Joe Coffee match as well. It's almost like Mark sort of cost Joe the Heritage Cup and Joe sort of cost Mark the Heritage Cup. Good match, not spectacular. But I will go out on a limb and say that Noam Dar is the Bret Hart of NXT UK. Two matches against the same type of opponent in short order, but two very different matches. Against Joe Coffey, it was all wrestling, and this was more physical. You know, this was more of a breaking half match. Will this split Gallus if Mark blames Joe? I mean, it's a possibility, and it wouldn't be before time either. Because at the end of this, we see Joe Coffey acting like it wasn't his fault at all. He's just stood over Mark, looking at him with folded arms. So I'm thinking there's definitely something to be had there. And that is the end of the NXT UK Omnibus for March 2022. Much better than February. There was a little bit of a dud episode in there. Uh, Fourth one in, penultimate one from the end. But on the whole, it advanced characters and stories. Definitely advanced the Mustache Mountain, you know, storyline and feud. And I absolutely cannot wait to see where that goes now. So, ladies and gentlemen, we have done it. We are through. We are clear for another month of NXT UK. Again, I cannot... Thank you enough. You have got some good stuff coming up on the NXT UK podcast this month, April. You have got the NXT special. We need to talk about NXT because we really do after what I saw at Stand and Deliver. Do not expect me to be nice about this. It just boggled my mind. WrestleMania 17 review coming later this week to finish off WrestleMania week. And then In Your House 17 this month. And we've got a few other good things as well, including Question Time Episode 3 at the end of April. So get your questions in via Podbean, via YouTube, via Twitter. All the addresses coming up in just a few seconds. Again, I can't thank you enough for sticking with us. WrestleMania weekend was just huge for us. We had nearly 400 downloads over three days, so thank you for that. And all that's left for me to do is, as always, you can find me on Twitter at BruiserMate, follow the podcast at UnionSmack, and you can follow Travis at Huss Hogan. UnionSmack.podbean.com, where you can find links to all the other podcasting platforms. My voice is fucked. Anger.fm forward slash union dash smack where you'll find the link to Pocket Casts. Union Smack BigCartel.com for all your Hibiki TMD merchandise needs. ProWrestling.com forward slash Rocky Buyer for your official Union Smack logo shirt. And Lulu.com where you can pick up a copy of my book, The Undertaker, A Trip Down Death Valley and NXT UK Year One. And if you've missed any or all of those, then the links are at the top of our Podbean page. So do check out everything else we've got on offer on the podcast if you're a new listener. Travis Habiki TMD on YouTube for all your retro gaming, retro pro wrestling and everything else you could possibly want over there. 
Again, links are all on the Podbean page, so there is no reason not to find us everywhere, not to check us out everywhere, and not to keep coming back for more good stuff. Thank you very much indeed, ladies and gentlemen. You've been amazing. And I will see you later this week when I shall have my partner in crime, my brother from another mother, back by my side. For now, look after yourselves. Have a good week. All the best. Cheerio, mates.